Today's podcast is from our 2018 game plan series, which was an in-season series on coaching coordinator. My co-host, Charlie Coiner, and I were joined by Ron Case, the former defensive coordinator at LSU, now retired. Coach Case emphasized using man coverage to get off the field on third down and how it can help stop the run-pass option. He broke down how he learned and taught the technique and what made it successful. Enjoy. In this week of the game plan, we're going to focus on man coverage, and it's a great way, obviously, to get off the field on third down, as you're going to hear, and to stop the RPO. And to join us, we have a a legendary coach in terms of of coaching man coverage. He's had a lot of success with it, and that's going to be Coach Ron Case. And joining me is is our co-host of First Down Playbook, former NFL coach Charlie Coiner. Charlie, it's always great to get together with you and talk some ball. Hey, Keith. Yeah, this is going to be pretty exciting. I we've talked about bringing somebody on to you know coaches up a little bit on press man, and and I flash back to my days at Vanderbilt and and when I worked with Ron Case, who at the time was one of the few guys that were playing it, I, seventy eighty percent of the snaps I believe when he was at. By the time he left Vanderbilt, got to LSU and then the North Carolina. So with with everything going on with the defenses right now and having to defend RPOs, this will be a real interesting conversation as we try to compare what Coach Case did maybe 15 or so years ago and how he would approach the game today. And uh, just a quick idea of his background. He's going to share some of his story on how he got into coaching with us. Um, But he did start in the military. From there, he was at Carson Newman. He went on to West Texas State, then Richmond, he made another stop at Carson Newman, and then from there he went on to uh, the Division One schools, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, LSU, and North Carolina. So we're really excited and honored to have a coach with so much experience join us today, and uh, let's get him here on the phone. Coach Case, thanks for joining us on the podcast. We're really excited to have you here. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Coach Case, it's been a long time, but great to talk a little ball with you today. All right, I'm 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 game and ready to go. Well, coach, we we were on the phone a couple of weeks ago, you and I, and, and and I'd already talked to Keith a little bit. Just we we talked to different coaches at different positions, offensively and defensively, and we were talking about somebody in the secondary. And and I know right now there's a a big affinity for quarters coverage out there, and and we had talked a little bit about that, but. But you came to mind just because the one thing that's always going to be out there, regardless of how much you believe in it or want to, how much you want to do it, is press man coverage. And in my 30 years of coaching, you know, I, I've never been around anyone who coached it as well, uh, believed in it, and committed to it the way uh, you did. When I was fortunate enough to work with you at Vanderbilt, you you kind of evolved into it, and then you went to LSU in North Carolina and sent a bunch of them to the NFL and because of that. So that, that's kind of what we want to start talking about today. So how, how did you get started with it? I know we talked about it maybe a couple of weeks ago. It kind of started back at Vanderbilt, right? Tell, tell, please tell us how you got started with the man, press man coverage stuff. Well, I, I always thought about it and I always wanted to do it. Thinking about it was, and doing it was a different thing. I, I, when I was at Richmond for three years, and I was in a vicinity there where I could go to all these pro camps, you know, uh, the Washington Redskins, the Steelers, on, on up the coast as far as the Colts. And then I went to about four pro camps trying to learn about, back then they called it bump and run. And th- th- this was in the early 80s. I, you know, I, I went to the meetings with them, I ate a dinner with them, and uh, I really spent a lot of time with secondary coaches, but they couldn't tell me uh, anything about coaching the technique of what they call bump and run. And it was, it, what I gained from the, from those two years that I spent with them trying to learn, it, it was really turning the player loose and letting him use his ability to play bump and run. They, they didn't coach any technique. I mean, it was, so I didn't really learn anything. So, and I left uh, I left Richmond and went to my first Division One job at uh, Ole Miss, and I was there six years. And uh, I probably had some kids who could do it, but I had a coordinator who was a pressure guy, and I worked for him later at North Carolina, and we, we played zero. We, we put six people on the offense. I coached what you call off-safe man. 
you know, you'd be five, six, sometimes seven yards, depending on field position. And I, there was a technique to that, too. But I didn't really get into it until I got at Vanderbilt. I had a, a kid named uh, Robert Davis, you know, about 5'9", 5'10", about 185, super strong. He had great, he had all the tools. He had great hand-eye coordination. He could catch the ball. He had great feet and hips. So, but he's the only one I had. He's the only one I had. So what I would do in spring practice, I took him in spring practice, and I, I I experimented with him. I'd say, okay, Robert. I didn't even coach him. I didn't coach him one bit. I started out about four yards. All right, Robert, live up about four yards playing man. And I'd say, maybe the next day, I'd say, oh, all right, Robert, <laughs> three yards. I got him to about a yard off playing man. And what I would do, I, I would cut that, that, that video up of him, and I kept those videos, and I had him four years. So I had video of him for three years. And uh, in, in the off season, after he got through with the workout or something, I, I tell him to come by the office and I want to I want to talk to you, Robert. I want you to tell me why you did this. And I, he he would answer me. You know, I was like I was in a you know kinesiology meeting with a player. You know, he would tell me why he did certain things, and he was really good at it. He could have done it. So that, that's where I started, and that's. The first guy I learned from, I learned from the players how to play press man. I didn't learn it from another coach. I didn't have the players there. We were gaining the players to play it at Vanderbilt, of all places. We would have probably, if we'd have stayed there, we'd have probably ended up doing it because we were proving to the, we were getting there. So, uh, well, coach, you went to that that next step you took after Vanderbilt. You you definitely had some some guys there that could do it at LSU. So 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 what did you do, coach? Did you I think it's extremely interesting from a standpoint of, of, of actually learning from the players, but obviously what you did is you took it to the next place and, and, and you transferred that knowledge to your players at in Baton Rouge. How did you exactly. do that? Well, you know, when we got to Baton Rouge, I talked to Coach Reese Bull. I, I said, Coach, I'm going to move him up. We're going to try to do something we've never done before, you know, in our last four years at Vanderbilt. <laughs> I said, we're going to get our hands on him. And so I moved him up, started coaching from scratch. You know, I want you to get your hands on him. And I would learn from them, too. And I had two great corners. I had two NFL players. I had Tory James, six, six two and a half. I had Denard Walker, six one and a half, two physical corners. And I moved him up, and I started coaching. And we learned, really taught it in one-on-one. And all our one-on-one stuff there, that was big for us at LSU because that's what I coached off of their feet, their hips, their hands, and all that all that stuff that really, you know, got down to really coaching the technique of it from them. I tell you, you know, we started out slow, but by the midpoint of the season, the receiver coach, he, had, he hated to come down and spend about 10 minutes with me. And I got cut-ups of it. It, it was really great. And uh, one-on-one, you know, it's always been an offensive drill, really, because you, you play in, if you play man, you were off five, six, seven yards. And you didn't defeat anything. I mean, they can complete every pass. Couldn't stop a slam. We, we, we learned from then. And by the midpoint from the end of the season, I mean, Charlie, you were there with us, weren't you? I, I came in after you. I was still. I, I didn't come from Vanderbilt to LSU with you initially. Okay. Okay. Well, our last say our last three games were all shutouts before we oh. went to a bowl game. We we shut out a team before Ole Miss. We shut out Ole Miss twenty eight to nothing. Then the, the the SEC champion come rolling in there, and they had the first spread offense going. They had a ten personnel with a one back set. And they threw the ball all over the lot. That was Arkansas. They won the conference that year. And they were the conference winners coming in there. We shut them out. They had two little slot guys that couldn't get off the press. I mean, they couldn't do anything. So we shut them out. And then we went to a bowl game. And uh, we, we played uh, Michigan State, Nick Saban. And we beat the dog out of them. Then right after that bowl game, I left for North Carolina. I took all that knowledge I'd learned from those kids at uh, LSU. And when I got to North Carolina, it, it was unbelievable what chemistry they had there in that front, front end. In the back end, they had great, you know, smaller skill kids, you know, 5'10", 5'9", but really, really had great feet and hips, had great ball instincts. So 
I just, so, I, just I, I just kept learning with it. Right, and and, and coach, and, and we're gonna jump into some technique stuff here in a little bit, and and, and maybe even talk about challenges that a, a defensive back coach might face today that that maybe they didn't back 15 yeah. years ago. But but so you moving from Robert Davis at Vanderbilt and you know working with James and Walker at LSU and then eventually coaching Dre Bly, who's one of the maybe yeah. the best football player to ever come out of North Carolina. Was it all the same, or did you the technique that you taught? Did you find it different? For each guy, or how did how did that work? Yeah, it's always different for each guy, and I, I refined it as far as but everything had to do with uh, getting your hands on them at the line of scrimmage. No space at all. How to get your hands on them, and how to open your hips. You open your hips with your feet. All all that was taught there, and it just kept accelerating to the point that it, it became a real defined technique. It's something that when I retired, you know, I, I've been a lot of places all over the country that they like to talk about the technique. They want to talk about it, but very few of them have mastered it. There's only been two that uh, over a period of six years, I went to a lot of places and there was only two places that I felt like they had a understanding of, of the technique. And that was say, Ron Cooper at LSU, the young coach at Appalachian State, Todd Sloan. Those are long two. That really bought into it. I really felt like they had a knowledge of what, what I was doing to coach it. Sure, yeah, coach. Looking at what people are doing on defense today, and and I guess let me preface this by saying I, I worked with a quarterback all this season. We're just in week ten right now, so really studied all his film from last year with him. Studied the opponents he's going to face this year, and we saw very little. I would say under twenty snaps of of man coverage. And it seems like everybody has, has gone away from that. You hear at the college level guys talking about, and we'll get into maybe the RPO, but a lot of guys go into man coverage because it stops the RPO. But I'm seeing very yep. little of that, and it seems like there has to be the, the ability to teach and coach it for one, but also having the secondary coach and the defensive coordinator really making a commitment to it, not losing their nerve maybe when they give up a, a big play or two because you know right away when you see somebody press, they're going to come after you today. But is that yeah. correct that really you got to get on the same page as the coaching staff and, and not lose your nerve if it's one or two big plays and, and just keep doing what you're doing? Oh, yeah. That, that has a lot to do with it. Uh, the secondary coach and the defensive coordinator, they got to be on the same page and they got to really buy into it. Now, I coached in a day where you didn't have to defend all 53 yards of the field because you, you, the only time you saw 10 personnel was on third down or they're trying to catch up. But in my day, you know, it was just you, you defended the formation, you know, 21 personnel, 22 personnel, you know, 11 personnel, 20 personnel. When you saw when you saw uh, 10 personnel, three by one or doubles, you know, they're throwing the ball. They might run a, a draw or a screen out of it, but they're they're trying to catch up and it's it's third and long, second and long. So but today you gotta defend fifty three yards of all the field. You mm-hmm. ten personnel, they spread you out all over the field and you can't get off the field playing quarters or you can't get off the field playing cover two. If you can't play man on, on the third down in order to get you off the field, you're gonna be out there a long time. That's what's going on today. And you can't talk about quarters versus 10 personnel doubles. You, you, you're talking about the, you, you got a weak side linebacker that's out in no man's land. And he's not a part of the gap control. He can defend the pass a little bit, but he can't help you in the gap control. And they just count you nowadays. You got two high safeties. You get, you got to get ready to defend the run. Mm-hmm. What man, the man gives you that, that you got a chance to load up the box if you can match up. And that's, that's what we could do, but today it, it's a problem because I don't think they can match up very well, and they don't play press. You know, they're playing off three or four or five yards, you know, and they can't get off the field playing, you know, that far off. Just a quick route, one-on-one real quick, and they got a first down to keep moving the sticks. So in today's football, it's, you know, I, watch, I don't watch pro football, but I watch a lot of college football. You can watch it from start Wednesday till three o'clock in the morning Sunday and you, <laughs> you, you can watch 10 games. I, I do a lot of that. I watch it all the time so, so I can keep up with it mentally. And defenses are behind. They're struggling. Nobody knows how to play press. You know, Nick Saban, he plays the off-hand staff, off-hand jam, which is okay. But he's got, 
he's got a great chemistry in his front. He can probably do anything he wants to do with the kind of people he's got in, in that front. So I, I think, you know, you got to have the chemistry and you got to have the courage and you got to be on the same page with that coordinator. And he's got to be with you. And just to take you back to my day, once we started playing press man at LSU and then at North Carolina, the defensive coordinators fall in love with it and they lean on it all the time. In the LSU, we played at 80%. Zone blitz was 10%. You know, zone coverage was 10%, and that's the whole season. And then at North Carolina, defensive coordinator, 75%. Zone blitz was 5 in the first year. Zone coverage was 20 and then the, the second year, 97, it was 70%, 15, and 15. So, you know, they just fell into it. And, you know, I had to coach it hard because we played so much of it. You had to keep it maintenance. You had to hold the guys to it. You you didn't change up and give them three different things to do like they do today, which I think is crazy. Get them into something they can do and lock them in and then coach the the dog out of them. That's that's what I was going to ask. Oops, sorry, Charlie. Yeah, Coach, uh, to that point, how difficult do you feel it is to really be changing through all those those coverages? I know some some teams go to that as their answer for some of these quarterbacks throwing the ball over the field is that they're in just a you know, multitude of zone coverages, different, yeah. different leverages for their yeah. guys. How difficult does that become on the player and really the, the coach who's got to work with them and coach them up? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, and really, when you watch it, the offensive coaches are in charge now, and they, they know exactly what the defense is going to do. And they have some tweaks to it as far as trying to help them on the weak side, you know, maybe playing zero on the weak side and playing quarters on the front side to get an extra guy in the box. And you, you see all kind of tweaks going on with the secondary coaches trying to, you know, help themselves as far as, Today, that quarterback, you know, he, he's a quarterback that can throw it, but he's a quarterback. He's a running back also. Yeah. If you don't account for him in today's football, you've got, a, you got some real problems because he beats you with your feet. And you can see that. You can see that every weekend. And that's going on. I mean, so in order to match up, you got to, you got in college, you got to recruit to it. You got to recruit the guy that can. You know, with the speed and has the hips and the feet, and then you got to have a, a coach that's going to be able to coach the technique to get him up there. And the first thing is, is you you, you got to get him fearless about it. And as a coach, you have to be fearless about it because I mean, it you know it's, uh, that cliff is always behind you, and you know and you, you got to have that you know that short memory as far as if something happens and you go off that cliff, the only one's going to help you is your teammates and your coach. So it's, uh, I, I see it as a problem today because nobody wants to get up on them even when they're playing man. I think that's what's interesting about this is that there'll, there'll be coaches out there that are listening right now going, it's easy to say, you know, but you match up every down and, and, and all of that. But, but really when you look at RPOs, uh, there are a lot of, you know, not a lot. There, there are ways to to get the chalk elastic if you're on defense. But, mm-hmm. but one of the obvious ones, one of the obvious ways is what you're talking about is to man up. And even when you see people man up, some they they play like you said, it's off man. I know that's a different deal. But but to me, this is something that if you've got the courage to do and you don't want to d- dilute it with doing three other coverages. And right. that's what you work on all the time in practice, and that's what you do. And to me, it as much as ever, there might be some people out there that are saying can't do that these days. Actually, yeah. the, the converse of that might be that's what you exactly should be doing these days. Yeah, I, I think if I was coaching today, the last year I was at Carolina, we became multiple. In other words, we we played a zone concept, and we played uh, what. 60% zone and 40% man. And, uh, you know, we we were number one defense in the conference at that time doing that without playing at 80% or 75%. So I think if you can mix it up, but be able to do it to get you off the field in, in today's football. A lot has to do with how good you are up front and to how good you're going to be in the back end. My years that I was really successful doing this, 
I'm going to give the front credit because I couldn't do it anymore. They didn't have a good front. Now, at LSU, we had a good front. In North Carolina, it was unbelievable. And we could do whatever we wanted to do. I mean, when you play man, and I, I like to say, I can't speak today, but, you know, we dictated the, what we wanted offenses to do. We could load up the box, and there's no checks in man coverage, and there's no quick game in man coverage if you're pressing them. I mean, I'm going to coach you to get on the line of scrimmage and get your hands on them on the snap of the football. And that that's, you know, I want everybody, I, I don't want your hands offside or your feet or your hat offside. That, I want you that close to the line of scrimmage and that close to that receiver. So you know, I don't know if you can find, you know, a front that can get the pressure. I measure all this stuff by breaking it down after season after season as far as, you know, what it takes, the amount of time it takes. It, it wasn't about knockdowns and sacks, and I love those things. All I needed was a hurry playing press man now. If you could get the ball out and he had one decision, we're going to win all those battles. And we did. We won all of them. <laughs> and and, and that, that, I don't know if you can do that today, but I would I would do it on third down for sure to get off the field, and to get my guys off the field, because if you don't get them off the field, and you got to be out there a couple, three, four series in that first half, or long series, in that second half, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get beat. Well, well, let's let's get into the technique part of it. And I know we're we're on a podcast, and I know you've done uh, tons of these demonstration videos and and coached in your sleep. But so I, I'm the right corner lined up on a left wide receiver. If you will, take us through what you taught, everything from the eyes to your hands to your feet. Okay. Take us through this technique, if you would. All right. Well, you know, it, it's a hands-on deal. And uh, for you to really understand, I, I need to be in front of you. We need to – you know, I can't demonstrate it before I'm too old, but I, I can get you through it if we were one-on-one and I was talking to you. But I get you uh, head up. I mean, I, I want your feet under your under your armpits. Uh, some guys might spread them out a little further, but, you know, they'll have to do it in a comfortable way and prove it to me they could do it and open their hips. So I'll start there. I, I want a good flexion, bend in your knees. Uh, I want your hands, I want your thumbs pointing toward one another. I want your palms out. And I want them at, 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 your, at your numbers or, or to your waist, whatever is comfortable, because it's a one-handed game. You don't, you don't ever put two hands out in front. Now, you've got two hands in position for, for, to protect yourself versus a, a, a stock block right on you right now or a cut block right on you where you've got your hands in position you can protect yourself and uh, you do your job as far as containing the play as far as that right corner you're talking about. All he does is use the sideline and leverage as far as the run. But the technique as far as that release is if, if we're playing cover one in the open field, I call it a stab, you know, people, other people call it a jam. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jam you with my right hand, my outside hand, away from my help. All right, if we're playing zero uh, and you got no help, I'm going to stab you with my inside hand. I don't know which way you're going to go. You, you know, whichever way you release, whether you release outside of me or inside of me, that dictates, you know, how, which way I'm going to open my hips. I'm always going to open my hips to you. So, uh, you know, I'm, I, it's a one-hand placement. And all, all I'm focused on is the top, right across the top of your numbers. And, and I want to strike that, that, that zone there, whether I hit in the middle of your chest or to the left of your chest or I hit to the right. Now, if I'm jabbing with my right hand and you're pushing that stab, all I do is replace my right foot with my left, and that flips, that put, that, that flips your hips open right now. And then you can use your other hand to give him another push as you rotate your hips. And if he's going away from that jab, all you do is ride it a little ways, replace your feet, and get in the foot race. So uh, it, it's all about being able to put your hands on him at the line. All you want to do is you want to disrupt the timing between the quarterback and the receiver. And you, you can stand there and you can shake and bake because you're not going anywhere. And you can put fire and all that, and you're not going anywhere. All I'm looking at is your numbers 
and if it members come to me, I'm going to strike it with my hand, my right hand or my left hand, depending on cover one or zero. And, and, and Keith, you know this. You know, we, we run these routes. Uh, Keith's been a coordinator a lot of different places. We run these routes, and we depend on our whole passing game on the timing of it. And all of a sudden, yeah. we get into a game, and somebody disrupts that receiver just a little bit. I'm sure, Keith, you've been a part of that, right, where oh, yeah. everything's thrown off just because of that. I mean, we, we would work a, a ton of time on avoiding that situation. Like, you know, basically, we wanted to, to work where we didn't have to check our feet because if we checked our feet, we would just teach the quarterback, once you see that, I mean, you got to move on. You can't, you can't stick with that guy because, you know, your, your timing's going to disappear pretty quick, especially if they're bringing pressure. The thing that not, after you use your hands, some guys can flip their hips. And, and use their hands at the same time. It depends on that, that skill of that, that individual. And then some of them, you know, they replace their feet. Basketball players do a lot of things when they go by them, they replace their feet. And it, it, it just flips your hips open right now. And, and uh, it happens within a blink. It all happens within a blink. And all you have to do is take a little bit off. If, if you got pressure, and your pressure is good, and, and you can make the quarterback make a decision at 1,003, you got him. But if it goes up now, if it goes to 1,004, it, it starts 50-50 or about 40-60. If, if it goes to five, you got some real problems. If it goes to six, you need to get another defense on the field. Because they're going <laughs> to they're gonna, they're gonna wear you out. And right. uh, So well, I, was just, I was just fortunate to have the players in the front that, that got that pressure on, and they had – one decision. They didn't have another decision. If they did, they're going to get knocked down or sacked. Coach, if, if the receiver is off the ball or on the ball, or you get you, uh, you from an offensive you, standpoint, yeah. if you want to bring them in motion, things like that, there's a big deal. Well, how did you coach that? If, if you got a player that's lot, he's off the ball or a flanker's off the ball, you coach patience. You, you don't put your hands on them until they come to you. If they start widening their release, and they're doing a little banana deal on you. You forget your hands. You get the, you get ready to you know cut his angle off and get in the foot race. But he he's 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 still taking his time by going lateral and not vertical. I, I want to harass his vertical release, not not anything else. And I don't chase you to put my hands on you. It, it's only when you come to me that I put my hands on you. And you know a lot of receivers so they want to get vertical in, in, in their in their route. But if you've got distance between you and that receiver, you've got to coach patience. And as long as that target's coming at you, you got to sit there. You you might move your have some nervous feet, but they're under your hips, and you're ready to jab, you know, jam or stab with whichever hand according to zero or one. Now down in the red zone, everything was inside stab, unless you knew he was going to release outside of you. And I, I gave, you know, an experienced corner, I gave him the, the go-ahead to go ahead and stab with the outside hand. So, well, it, so you're, let, let's say you've got a, a vertical release right now, and they, it's a go-route, and you're in good yeah. shape, and you're the defensive back. You see so many, being mostly an offensive guy, I, I can't say I've got any answers about how this should be coached, but you see yeah. so many guys not find the football in man coverage when it's thrown up. Um, do you have any? Yeah. yeah. What, what, how did you teach that? Finding the ball. Well, once you're in that foot race, you know the next thing you're going to coach them up on is hold off separation, and then position those two things: hold off separation and position on that receiver. If he's running a, you know, a go a deep route, a go route, fade route, all you want to do. You don't know he's running that until you know he gets beyond say ten, ten to fifteen yard range, and then you know he's going on a go route. But you want to be in a position, and you don't want to be on top of him because you can't defend the back shoulder, you can't defend the sideline cut, you can't defend anything going to the middle of the field. So you want to be perfect angle uh, as far as distance and position uh, would be slightly under that inside shoulder. I mean, foot race now. And you don't put your hands back on him after the line of scrimmage because you can't run full speed and touch somebody. You can't make a cut and touch somebody. So you got to be running full speed, and you want to be in a position to, to defend the back shoulder, the sideline cut, 
and undercut all that. And then inside to the middle field, undercut that. If you're going on the fly, on the roll route, then you're concentrating on his hat to his shoulders. If he looks over the outside, you want to rotate with the inside arm so you, you can reach up between his hands and turn and look for the ball. If he's looking over the inside shoulder, you want you want to rotate the outside arm through and look for the ball. It puts you on balance uh, when you do those two things. If you try to do it opposite with the opposite arm, you can't you can't rotate you can't look back and you end up getting flagged. So I, I coach the two first things I coach them after they've used your hands in a drill. I set them side to side on a command. They'll take off full speed. And and I'm throwing thousand one thousand two, and I throw the fade, and I'll throw it at the outside shoulder one time. I'll throw it. I was an old high school quarterback, so I could throw it <laughs> as a as a DB coach. And after you know we did that right and left, well, only a few of them could do that. But as far as playing man, I only service the guys that could actually put their hands on them and play man. And at uh, LSU, I only had three. At uh, North Carolina, I had I probably had six guys could do it, and then I'd run a slant route where you can rake with a long arm, the inside arm, right and left, and a thousand one thousand two, I'd throw the slant. I, I I drill them on those two things all the time, consistently, so they know which way to look for the ball, and I coached them off a of video, and then one on one was a big deal for me as far as coaching the technique. One-on-one's not good for anything else except coaching the technique at the line of scrimmage. Then when they get in the foot race, where are you at? Your position, holding off holding off separation and a position on that receiver. Mm-hmm. And like I say, you, when you're doing something 80% of the season, you better spend a lot of time on it. And I did. And we, were, <laughs> and we were good at it. We were good at it. And coaches love for me to talk about it, kind of demonstrate them through it and show them cut-ups and all that. But when it comes down to actually coaching it, they sometimes, I guess they lose their guts or something. I don't know. Because, like I say, I, I've only had two of them even come close. That's Ron Cooper and uh, uh, Scott Sloan. And I've been a lot of places now. I'm, I swear I have. <laughs> oh, and no doubt about that, Coach. That, I go back to what Keith was asking you a little bit ago. It's it's that ability to have courage as a secondary coach and, and like you said, be on the same page as guys like Carl Reese and, and Carl Torbush and people like yeah. that and aren't scared to dial it up, too. So. Yeah, I, I worked for those two guys. I worked for Torbush 10 years, and I worked for, with Bulls five years. And those guys, I loved them because they weren't bending, don't break. They would get up and go and get you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that was right up my alley because I wasn't afraid to coach it. After I got into it and it worked, I was, you know, I, I was sold on it. I'm still sold on it. I, can't, I don't think you can do it today, just offensive today, 80% of the game. That's crazy. You don't, you don't have the kind of energy and what, what the, what's going on today. But you can get off the field with it. I really am sold. You can get off the field on third down playing press man. We see so many teams now using the RPO, and it's not – just the spread teams, you'll see teams even running 21 personnel finding a way to run the RPO. Um, and obviously, when you talk to defensive coaches, a lot of them will say, hey, man, coverage is the way to beat that. Yeah. But, um, but then at the same time, like I mentioned before, I, I rarely see that, especially at the high school level, teams going to yeah. man as a way to stop RPO. What are your thoughts, especially now, that because it's going to become that inside guy rather than the corner who's being attacked um, how are you coaching that yeah. up and, and really helping your defense take away that RPO game? I don't think you can take it away playing zone coverage. I think it's impossible. You're always going to be wrong, and I think offenses know that. that. That's why, you know, man coverage, everybody's accounted for, maybe except the quarterback. And then I think that's the only way you can alleviate it. That's another reason you got to learn to play man coverage and Coach it aggressively and give yourself a chance, even versus the RPOs, because it's proven it's been very successful. And you can see it in high school, too. They're coaching now in high school. I know the, the school that I've been working with 10 years, I taught him the man rules, and uh, he's using them. I, they have a hard time putting their hands on them, but I just call it, you know, get up on them and just shatter the relief. In other words, you know, get up there as tight as you can and just shatter, just don't put your hands on him. Just go into that release with him and get in the foot race 
to shatter the relief and play man on it that way. And the, this young guy over here, uh, the coordinator, defensive coordinator, he, he's been successful doing that in high school because they see the RPO in high school. They see everything in high school now that's going on in college. Sure. I mean, it's unbelievable. I was going to bring that up. That's a, that Northern Alamance High School? Where is that that you've been it's working West, with? Them? Western Alamance. They've been the best defense in the conference. And, you know, they've been, I think, over a period of the last several years, they, they get scored like nine points a game, you know, oh. which, is, which is good defense in high school, good spread offenses. So he, he uses um, quarters in combination on the backside. He, he'll play zero back there because high schools can – get away with it, load up, put an extra guy in the box and take that weak safety and play him man on number two and then play your, whatever your combination is on the other side. And and that weak side linebacker, if it's passed, then he, he looks for the first crosser from the zone side. So I've taught him everything I could teach him as far as <laughs> try, trying to, you know, manage quarters coverage because that's what everybody uses. And he plays more man than anybody else as far as, on him, so he and he's done a good job. And I've I've spent ten years with him. He drove me crazy. After I retired, he just called me all the time, begged me to come over. And he so I, I finally went and I spent a lot of time with him. I taught him how to break down opponents and game plan it, and taught him how to segment their practice and the very beginning to the end. I, I taught him everything I know, and uh, he's done a good job of learning it. He's he, he's a smart guy to, to use a resource like you sitting in the backyard. <clears throat> and before we before we get off here, Coach, I, I would be totally remiss if we don't just go back to your career a little bit because I I coached 30 years before I got out of it, and I got to admit I, I don't I never have come across anybody with the background that you have as far as how you got involved with football when you got out of high school. Will, will you tell us a little bit about that? Well. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I spent 13 years in Marine Corps, and I was a high school dropout. I quit school. I, I, I was born on a tobacco farm in Kentucky, central Kentucky, right close to Lexington. And when I was three, my dad moved down to uh, southern Indiana, a town right across the river from Louisville. So I, I grew up in that little town. And in Indiana, if you couldn't play basketball, you couldn't get a date. So, uh, <laughs> so uh played basketball. I played basketball before I played football. In high school, all, all I wanted to do was get involved in sports and the social life. I didn't want to go to school or class. So my sophomore year, and I was always in my sophomore year to get eligible. I had to go to summer school to get eligible my sophomore year. And I ended up starting on, on the varsity basketball team in Southern Indiana. And then I was a high school quarterback and linebacker, and I was starting on the varsity football team too I backed up the quarter the starting quarterback and I was starting linebacker so and I, and, the, and I have didn't have a very good home life we didn't have a car never had a TV never had a phone so I quit school in the middle of my junior year right right in the middle of basketball season and I went to the Marine Corps with uh, four of the buddies so I'm in the Marine Corps and I, I did my three-year hitch and I get back out and I I get married, had some marriage problems. I decided to go back in the Marine Corps, and I went back in the Marine Corps. Came back home, I remarried the same girl. You know, I took her back to the Marine Corps <laughs> with me. I had, and I had two kids uh, down at Camp Lejeune, a boy and a girl. And I, I was playing in the Marine Corps. I was playing on base. I, I was playing company football and getting out of work. That's what you did in the Marine Corps to get out of work. You and, played for nine. Uh, I read. Did you play for nine years in the Marine Corps? Is that right, or is that? I played for played for about seven years, and I coached two of it. And I, you know, I, I and I got to be good enough to where I was on base teams. I played for Camp Lejeune a couple a couple years. In 1964, I made the All Marine team. So I, football was a part of me, and, and and the Marine Corps brought it out. And when I got back in Vietnam in '66, I got we got orders to report to Paris Island, South Carolina, a recruit depot where you train recruits. And uh, down there, as soon as I got there, the CO called me in and said, uh, uh, "Sergeant Case, I see where you played football and you coach football." I said, "Yeah, I, a little bit. I played football." He said, "I want you to be my company 
the, the head coach of my company came here. So I couldn't say no. So I, <laughs> so I started coaching and, and I, you know, really got into it. We won the Island championship and played the air wing, uh, which is Cherry Point or New River one. And we played them on the birthday bowl on, on the Marine Corps birthday. We went undefeated and we won a bowl game and all that. So I, I really got into the coaching end of it. So, but I hadn't, I don't even have a high school degree. So, so my wife saw where they had a night program at Buford, South Carolina, uh, adult education program. So I, I got my high school transcript, which was terrible. I was well below average. I finished my high school in the Marine Corps. And I was getting ready to go back to Vietnam in 1969. I got orders to go back, and so I, I had to make a decision. So you know, I didn't want to, I've been I was been in the Far East twice. I didn't want to go back for a third time. So I, I finished that high school, got that high school diploma. My kids saw me graduate from high school. Wow! And then I had a preacher and my wife got together trying to talk me into going to college after I got my high school diploma. I didn't think they'd let me in. I didn't think anybody'd let me in because I, that was the furthest thing from my mind was going to college, and I didn't even like high school. So uh, anyway, I, I was getting out. I was going. I knew I was going to get out and do something else for a living for those next. I wanted to do twenty years and get to retirement, but I did thirteen. So I decided I was going to get out. I had a choice to either go up into Dayton, Ohio, and be a postal inspector. I passed the uh, civil service exam. Or, and this preacher and my wife bugging me about going to this school. I never heard of this preacher. He said, there's a school up in Tennessee, a little small school, has a good athletic program. I never heard of Carson Newman College. <laughs> I, the only time I've been in Tennessee is on, on my way through going home to Louisville, Kentucky. So uh, so uh, I let him talk me into it, and, and I didn't think they was going to let me in. And it came down about two weeks before I was getting my separation papers. And they they called me, and they said, there's a letter coming to you that we're going to accept you because you're a veteran. <laughs> you're a wow. veteran. <laughs> so they let me in. I'm, here I am, almost 31 years old, and I felt so out of place with these 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. I start to school the second semester of 1970. I, I, I didn't do the first semester because I didn't get out in time. But I was sitting there. We moved. We lived in a trailer. We moved it up there. Got a place to park it. We got our kids in school. They were small kids at the time. My wife found a job, and I kept I kept the home fires burning until that second semester started. Then. I watched him play over over there a couple times at night, and they threw the ball all over the place. And uh, so I, I went into the coach's office. I didn't know him, didn't know anybody. And I asked him if uh, he knew any middle schools or high schools needed any help. He said, well, what do you, what do, you do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to be a football coach in high school. He said, well, where'd you coach at? And I said, well, I played the Marine Corps and coached the Marine Corps. He said, well, you did. He said, what you coach? I said, well, I, I you know, was a head coach at the team at Paris Island. And I played the linebacker in the in Marine Corps, played on several teams over the years. He said, well, why don't you just coach for me? And, and you can coach the linebackers here. So I'm going to school. I'm taking anywhere from any, anywhere from you know, 18 to 22 hours because I was in a hurry to get out. So, so I, it gave me a full-time job, job that is, not paid. Just, uh, I was on the GI Bill, so that's how I got started. And I ended, wow. up, I, I ended up the defensive coordinator there. We ended up playing for a national championship in 1972. Uh, I played the... Uh, East Texas State, when they had Harvey Martin and Beeman that played for Seattle. And uh, we went out there and played them. They beat us 21-18. But uh, we had a chance to beat them for sure. And uh, that's how I got started. And uh, I, I coached in college. I coached high school. Uh, I, two years of my coaching career, I got to coach high school football. And that's the only time I ever coached offense in my entire life was I couldn't get anybody on that staff to, to want to coach the offense. They all said I didn't want anything to do with it. So 
I'm the head coach. I just took the job. So I ended up, I, I coached the, uh, I had, I ran the split back there. And that's the only thing I knew back then offensively. <laughs> so uh, I, I enjoyed high school coaching, but I, I didn't enjoy the classroom. So I went back into college coaching uh, after two years of high school coaching. Well, Coach, that's certainly, like, like I said, going into it, I, I don't know that many folks out there have, have got that kind of story, how they got into coaching. And so um, when, when you line up to play man coverage and you've got uh, that story, how you got in football, I, I can see where the courage would come pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, yeah. That's kind of everything's relative. But, well, Keith, I don't, I don't know if you got anything else. I, I know, Coach, I've enjoyed it and learned a lot. We'll, we'll, you know, I and one, one other thing I'd like to say, and I always give, I'm, I'm as a secondary coach, and when I was successful, and, and, and I was, I always gave the front credit, the, the guy that coached the front. You know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna brag on him because he's the one that makes my job easier in the back end when you're playing press man. I'm telling you, well, even when you're playing anything back there, you know, at Carolina we had guys. You know, I hate to say this, but we. We had guys like Greg Ellis, Ebenezer Etchifon, Ronnie Holiday, Ryan Sims, Julius Peppers. You know, <laughs> it was it made my job easier, and I, I give that I give that defensive line coach the credit to, for helping me get my job done. And they they delivered at Carolina and LSU. They delivered for me, uh, and they got that ball out in a thousand three. That ball was out, or that guy was knocked down or sacked. So. I give them the credit. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, Coach, Co- I know I've certainly, certainly enjoyed it. Absolutely, Coach. Thanks for joining us here and sharing your story and teaching us about man coverage. Definitely think that the idea of using it to get off the field is a great one and obviously the application RPO. So we appreciate you spending time with us here today, and thanks for what you've done in the game of football. Well, thanks for having me, Keith. I appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Coach, uh, kind of blown away by the story of, of how Coach got into football. It is definitely unique, and with all the coaches we've talked about, you know, how they got into football and the path they took there, this, I think, is a one-of-a-kind. I don't know that we'll find anybody else with a similar path, and his obviously his passion for football kind of came out in that and his, took him through the military and then really found his path and his, his calling after the military in coaching college football. Unbelievable. I like like I said, I've known Coach Case now for thirty some years and I knew of the story. I probably didn't know it as detailed as what Coach just explained it. But Keith, what what jumps out at me as I listen to Coach Case tell his story and Coach Case is telling that story. I'm not sure exactly how old Coach is right now, but he's he's retired and been retired for eighteen years. But I'm listening to a person who had his whole life changed in part by the military, obviously, but also just by the game of football. And someone who found football and grew with it and worked hard, and it changed his life. And I, and I think regardless if you're talking about a young kid back in the 60s or you're talking about a young kid in the year 2018, to me that's what the game of football can do. Yeah, that, that was pretty fascinating. And Coach Case, from the standpoint of the X and O part of it, you could just hear – the detail that he's given you on a podcast about how he's going to coach up press man. And you can imagine if he's standing right there coaching you that uh, you would be getting that times 10. Yeah, I definitely, you know, he said, oh, I probably can't explain this to you. It'd be better if you're in front of me, but I could envision everything he was talking about there and the different techniques. And obviously you could tell that's something that he taught a million times. Uh, the other thing really made an impression on me is he talked about how he got into it. And when he was first going out to learn it from basically the NFL, he just saw athletes out there doing their thing and he didn't see a lot of coaching. And I really, I love the way he talked about how, you know, he had a guy who could do it and he got him on film and tried some different things and then had him talk him through the different things he was doing and thinking and how he's reacting to things. And I've had a similar experience in my career. I know when I was putting in uh, the stretch play, I had a really good running back we were putting it in for, but I was really interested in, okay, how do we sustain this when that guy's gone? And I asked the coach, you know, and he had been a former Big Ten coordinator who was really successful at the high school level as well here in Ohio, and he said, you put the next guy in, man. If he doesn't know how to do it, you know, it's next man up. I'm like, 
well, that ain't going to work for me because really I don't have that next man who is like this one. And, and we had a similar experience. So, you know, we go through that first year, we have everything on tape and it was like, okay, we see him doing these things and sat down with him and, and had him talk us through his thought process. And I think what it brings out is that idea that, you know, coaching is not just top down command and control. I'm going to tell you how to do it, that there's a lot we can learn from listening to our players as well. That's right. And once again, I go back to Coach Case's background of not not getting a high school education, but yet uh, initially and then going into the military, it's it's probably goes back to a lot how he was taught. I mean, he he learned a lot about life, hands on experience. And I think in some in some ways that probably reinforced the fact that he understood that whether you're a sergeant or whether you're a coach, people that are actually doing it hands on, whether you're in Vietnam or whether you're a corner, you, you learn from that and it's a two way communication. So I, I was, I was blown away. I was fascinated. That, that, that was a great 40 minutes of learning right there. That would be good for any young coach to, to listen to. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed it as well. And thanks for bringing them on, Charlie. Um, we always share some things, you know, I don't know if we'll have many diagrams from this week, but uh, as always uh, coaches, you can go to first down playbook and there's a ton of resources there. Coach, why don't you share uh, where our coaches can go to see some more of the things we've done this season. Just go to blog.firstdownplaybook.com, and we'll I'll get with Coach Case. We may get a couple diagrams up about how he actually talks about the footwork at the last scrimmage. We'll find something to get up. Outstanding. Well, Coach, as always, I enjoyed the conversation, really enjoyed our guest, and I look forward to the next one on the Game Plan on Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Thanks, Keith. Looking forward to it. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.